Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. L.A. had gotten down to zero um, suicides over an 18-month period. Not only looked, but I studied what L.A. was doing, and I wanted to bring that to our Chicago police officers and our firemen in the city of Chicago uh, because they put together a successful program. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. And with us today is the chairman of the city council's public safety committee, Alderman Chris Taliaferro. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Fran. I'm I'm happy to be able to join you today. You are a former Chicago police officer, and this has been a very sad week for the Chicago Police Department and a very sad and difficult time. A deputy chief of criminal networks, newly promoted Dion Boyd, took his own life. And this is in a series of suicides that we have seen among police officers. First of all, you're a former Chicago police officer yourself. Did you know Dion Boyd? Did you run into him ever? I did. Um, in fact, I um, was very saddened by the news as well. And, um, it, you know, it still, um, it still saddens me, saddens me right now. In fact, I, I just got off the phone speaking with someone that, um, that knew Dion. Uh, Dion and I worked together um, in the Animal Affairs Division, um, so I, I would often see him. Um, and this is this has caused a lot of heartache. And and I know that we'll all um, um, regain our composure from it. But it, I think it's a time for each of us that knew Dion and cares about our Chicago police family. Um, it's time for us to grieve. Um, but I, I certainly believe the Chicago Police Department is hurting, and the Chicago Police Department has experienced a loss. Um, I don't know what Dion was going through, a deputy chief board was going to through, um, but I'm sad in that action that he took. And, um, I want to make sure that all of our officers know that there is some help out there for them and there are resources available and we need to strengthen those resources. Um, and I wish to use my position as chairman of public safety to help strengthen those, um, those resources that are available to our officers. Tell us a little bit about Dion that you knew from internal affairs. Dion had a great personality. Um, and, and one thing that I loved about uh, uh, Dion, Dion um, was a leader and he knew he was a leader. I knew him as a patrolman. We were both patrolmen there. Uh, Dion was in our confidential unit. I was in our general investigations unit. Uh, but he had often talked about every time I talked to him, he often talked about a leading and um, he became a leader. He was um, promoted to the rank of sergeant, and I was shortly promoted after him. And we saw each other a few times after sergeant as well. But I knew he was destined to be a good leader on the Chicago Police Department. A great personality, uh, one that it was easy to be a friend with. But he was just recently promoted to a rather lofty position. 
What would cause someone like that to take their own life and feel that it had come to that, that sense of desperation? Do you have any clue? I, you know, Fran, I do not. Um, someone asked me that yesterday um, as we were talking about suicide in general. And I said, we all um, have said at one time or another that I believe I'm strong enough to not to take that path. Um, but unfortunately, we as, as, as those of us that are, are still here, um, it's hard for us to understand and feel what they are going through. And in Dion's case, it's even hard for us to even um, uh, not just understand what he was going through, but we know what he was going through. And that makes it a little bit more difficult um, to, to, um, to accept that he was going through something so much that he would take his own life. Um, and, and, and so that's why I, I agree, Fran, I do believe that we have to make sure that resources are available. And, and if you're from, uh, familiar with the resolution um, that I filed uh, prior to the COVID virus, um, we had actually set up um, a, um, a committee meeting for um, our colleagues in uh, L.A. to come in to speak to the uh, Committee on Public Safety about the success of their program in L.A., L.A. had gotten down to zero um, suicides over an 18-month period. And certainly they averaged more than one a year. And I looked and, and, and um, not only looked, but I studied what L.A. was doing, and I wanted to bring that to our Chicago police officers and our firemen in the city of Chicago uh, because they put together a successful program. And unfortunately, the COVID virus slowed that down. Um, they were already on flights ready to come here. We had um, uh, plans to have flights to come here, uh, and the COVID virus slowed that down. But we will, and I, I promise our officers and our firemen that we will make sure they have better resources available to them. What exactly, Chris, is Los Angeles doing that Chicago isn't? I mean, this has been something that was highlighted in the U.S. Justice Department scathing indictment of the police department after Laquan McDonald. What are they doing that we haven't done because they have done some more since then? Yeah, our, our Chicago police department and, and the fire department, um, they've done an excellent job. And, you know, I, I, I do want to say that uh, we have um, some uh, city employees that are, are working very, um, very hard to make sure our officers have the services that they need. Uh, but one of the differences, one of the key differences that I saw that um, um, in L.A. is that L.A. uses licensed psychologists, licensed police psychologists um, to treat and to speak with our uh, with their officers. And not only are they headquarters at a, at a, a facility, but they offer they also are out in the district um, building relationships uh, with the officers as well. And speaking with them, uh, each each uh, licensed psychologist uh, are assigned um, a particular district, um, and they go to the district almost every day. They sit, they eat, they talk to the officers, and it's always not about um, related about issues and problems an officer may experience. But they're building a bond with them. They're building a relationship with them. And as a result, it allows their officers to come in and speak with them when there is an issue or when they can recognize an issue, they're already there. And so we, as a, um, a Chicago police department, uh, we don't have licensed police psychologists um, that are assisting our officers. We have clinical technicians 
I don't know the difference in the degree in which both of those have, um, but there is a difference in the um, the education. There's a difference in the degree that both of those um, uh, different um, uh, employee well types of employment. One's a licensed clinician, and one is a um, a licensed police psychologist. And so I think if we're going to move and, 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 and provide a better opportunity for our officers, we may want to look at um, a model that's very similar uh, to having licensed uh, police psychologists in the districts, in the areas that can speak with our officers day in and day out uh, without the necessity of a police saying, well, how do I talk about, about my issues and my problems and my stress with a complete stranger? So do you think we need do you think we need one in every district and in every area? Do we need 22 well, of them and then one no, in every area or two? No, certainly um you know it, it well life is worth it and and life is worth every dime you can spend on it. Um but if it's beyond um something that's you know um, from a financial perspective because it's the only reason that um I see that we sh- can do this. Um but if it's a financial issue then why not have one assigned to every two districts. But I would certainly say yes, because each district is comprised with approximately at least 300 officers. And that's a long time, and that's a, a, to build relationships and a bond. And if possible, why not have two per district? Um, but I would certainly say that the approach and the model um, has some validity to it, and it has some merit to it, because uh, they're not experiencing the levels of suicide that we are. And they're 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 just as stressed as we are from the line of work um, that our police officers and firemen perform. And if the psychologist is right there in the district, you can drop in and say, "I had a bad day," or you know, yeah. it becomes a routine kind of a thing where you can constantly just speak and talk out your problems, and not just go to a bar with your fellow yeah. cops or keep it to yourself, yeah. right? And friend, they are they are trained also. Um, uh, a police psychologist, they're trained to be able to observe a person that may have a problem. Uh, Dion is not the first officer that I knew that committed suicide, but early on in my career, um, I worked with a gentleman uh, that went home one evening and and decided to take his own life. Um, not only did we work together, but we worked the car together um, oftentimes as well. And, oh my! What a blow uh, that know, must have been I, to you! Wow. Yeah. I spoke to him on his, on his birthday uh, in Area 5 at Grandin Central the day before he killed himself. And um, we spoke for about 20, 30 minutes, and, and I could not detect a problem. In fact, we laughed, uh, we talked, and we talked about the old times. And the next day, he killed himself. And so oh I, I was not trained, and I am not trained to be able to detect when someone may be experiencing a problem, but they are. And not only that, but when they form that relationship and that bond from being out in the districts, getting to know their officers and the officers getting to know them, having lunch with the officers. Um, an officer is more likely to sit down and say, you know, uh, I'm, I'm having a problem. Can, you, can I talk to you about it? Uh, how do I get through this and how do I get through that? Um, because their job, and I can say this, and that's from a fire perspective and a police perspective, um, it becomes very stressful um, and becoming hardened to what you see is not always the answer. Um, and that's oftentimes what, what, what happens in the, in the field of police. You know, you become hardened to what you see so that you can survive mentally, 
so that you could survive emotionally. Um, and this I remember is such an extraordinary time for police officers. They feel so, so alienated from the public. The public is, you know, everybody's got a cell phone. Everybody is claiming that, you know, they were abused. And, and some in some cases, they're right. In other cases, they just feel so isolated and so alone. Mm. Are you concerned that in this atmosphere, we're not only like to, likely to see more suicides, but more retirements where people say, forget it. It's not worth it to be a cop in, these, in this time. We, we're going to we're going to see not only just the retirement and, and the concern with officer um, of suicides increasing, um, but we're going to have less and less and less um, pool of applicants uh, to choose from. Uh, at one point, the profession was very much respected, um, and it was a sought after. When I when I took the test for the, to be a police officer, there were approximately thirty six thousand people that tested. Um, now I, I think we're probably under two thousand that will test to be a police officer, and so the the, the profession itself. It still has the dignity and, and the courage that's needed, to, um, uh, but it's lost its luster, and it's no longer looked at the same. Uh, and police officers get it from every single end. They get it from elected officials. They get it from uh, the public. When many of them are out trying to just to do good and to do right by our, resi- our residents, um, they get a tough time, and, and rightfully so. I'd say rightfully so. We need to challenge and we need to reform, but we also need to support. And you don't see that aspect of it as much as we should. So are you concerned that we're going to lose hundreds of officers to retirement and maybe even have a shortage? Yeah, that's going to naturally happen um, that, you know, we will naturally have an attrition of police officers. Um, They will attrition out and we're going to have a difficult time keeping up with that. Um, I see that in Chicago's future. Um, not that I am uh, having expertise in seeing things, but I, I can't see that um, as a logical response to uh, defunding the police, the logical response to uh, cry for demand, uh, uh, defunding, not just funding, but disbanding the police. Uh, more, more folks will choose a different path than the path of a police officer. What do we do I, I about the that? The firemen, you know, the fire department um, applications will likely increase, uh, but police department, no. What do we do? I, I think we we reform our police department. We encourage our officers, and we do whatever we can uh, from an elected position, but also our residents to um, to make sure folks understand that that it is an honorable profession uh, to take uh, you know to take upon. Um, I, I think that's what we have to do. We have to promote our police department, and that comes with um, our marketing. We can market a great police department. We can market a model police department. You told me when the Father's Day weekend violence broke out, and we had such an awful Father's Day weekend, 14 dead, 104 people shot. You said you were outraged by it, but you weren't surprised because drug dealers who dominate Chicago's illegitimate economy were just as desperate to reopen as legitimate businesses after the stay-at-home shutdown triggered by the pandemic. Since then, we have seen an extraordinary period of violence 
We're on pace. We're probably up 50% in homicides. We're on pace to have one of the more violent years in Chicago history. What do you think is causing that other than what you said then about the stay-at-home shutdown? Is it the fact that the jails were emptied and people came back into neighborhoods who are now fighting for turf? What is it that's causing that? Fran, we're experiencing a perfect storm. Um, and, and not weather related. Uh, we're experiencing a, a, a perfect storm in that we do have those that are coming out of prison um, and that are coming out of jail that have been released to jail or home monitoring that are, aren't being effectively monitored. Not that I'm, I'm, I'm putting blame anywhere, but these are the facts that are happening. Uh, we, we're coming out of shelter in place for of several months. Uh, we have more folks that are, are creating small factions of gangs Gangs are splitting and creating smaller factions, and they're all fighting for the same territory, as well as some other things that are going on. This summer, the summer of 2020, uh, we're experiencing a perfect storm to whereby we're looking at 442 murders and averaging about 70 shootings a week and 15 to 17 murders a week. Uh, But it could be turned around. And, you know, pouring resources in the community um, is, is part of that. Look, the city, the city has about 14, 14 different communities uh, that's the driving uh, force behind the crime that we're experiencing. Uh, I would, if I were superintendent, what I'm not, I would focus very heavily on those 14 communities. Now, you're talking about merit promotion. How about merit, merit, uh, merit promoting folks that are working in those difficult districts? How about creating a unit? that will work hard and tirelessly in these districts and turning these, um, I'm sorry, communities and turning these communities around and looking at the good work of those officers in that unit. Um, not the abuses, but the good work, the good police work. And merit promote those folks. Give them an incentive. They do it in the military. I mean, I spent, I spent 10 years in the Marines, and, and how do I get meritoriously promoted? I perform. So if you want to, if you want to uh, think of some some ways that we can encourage our officers and actually, um, uh, you know, to somehow reward our officers for working hard in these 14 communities, we have to think of, of, of uh, out-of-the-box ways to do that. I, I think well, we do. He, it, but, but. He, just, he just created two new units, one for gun violence and one for downtown protests. What's wrong with that? No, I... I think it, I think it was great, um, great programs that our superintendent involved. And I'm not I'm not challenging our superintendent. Um, but what I have told our superintendent um, and our deputy mayor of public safety is we have to start thinking out of the box. We have to do something radically different. And um, I, I, I always say that, I, you know, as, as often as I disagree with the superintendent McCarthy, I appreciated the fact that superintendent McCarthy, former superintendent McCarthy, uh, would always have an initiative, a crime reduction, a violence reduction initiative at the front door. If it didn't work, he got rid of it. If it worked, he kept it. And I appreciated that about his leadership at the time. And I think our superintendent just getting in, uh, he's been here two months or three months now. Uh, that's what he's doing. He's bringing in violence prevention initiatives. And that's my challenge to him. And he's, he's taking it head on. Creating these two units, it's a good start. It is a good start. You're talking about taking a unit in these 14 areas that are the driving all the violence and saying mm-hmm. to these guys, if 
you bring down the number of shootings and homicides, here's a promotion waiting for you at the other end. I mean, how would you do that? That is, uh, you know, and that's just a uh, just a simple recommend, uh, not recommendation, but something that can be viewed. Now, most officers, most officers, when they when they choose a district to go work in, they don't run to these fourteen communities. They don't. They go to a community, especially in light of what's going on. Um, but those that are working there should be given preference when it comes down to promotion. Um, not necessarily creating a unit, but you can create a unit to work these different, these 14 communities. But why not, you know, why not somehow look at how we can award these officers with promotions rather than a piece of paper? Because ultimately a piece of paper wither, but promotions feed your family. Promotions help you pay your bills. So if you're going to work in an Austin community, I want you to be awarded. I want you to be rewarded for your hard work and the great job that you're doing in Austin. And I will make sure that every time there's a promotion class, there's two officers getting promoted to sergeant out of that Austin district. And then there's a lieutenant being promoted meritoriously out of that Austin district. It's going to encourage officers to work and to work hard in those communities where people run from or the units. Fran, you know just as well as I do, um, as a police officer, we sought to get to the airport because we knew we could chill. We knew we could kick our feet up. People run to the 16th district or the 18th or 19th district uh, because you can chill. You can kick your feet up. But those officers that want to make sure that our city is safe and our residents are experiencing a good quality of life. How about rewarding them with something more than a piece of paper? How about bringing a merit system back that will reward them for their hard work? And I'm saying good professional police, not abuses but reward them for bringing in good numbers of good professional policing in these 14 communities. And I would support that. So you would reward them for taking that assignment or for, for performance at a certain level in those assignments? Well, you could take the assignment and sit back and kick your feet up too now. So I'm yeah. not saying just because you're in that district, um, you should receive a merit promotion. I'm saying if you're working and you are actually working in that district and you're making a difference in the lives in the communities in Austin, Humboldt Park, Garfield Park, North Lawndale, and Little Village on the west side. Why not get, why not, why not get a meritorious promotion every single class that there's two, there's two people being meritoriously promoted? That incentivizes an officer to come to work and want to provide a better career for himself and, 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 and better, um, better opportunities for himself and for his family. It's One just, of the things you know, that drives. Go ahead. I'm just saying that, 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 friend, we have to think out of the box like that. I'm not saying that's the perfect idea because you could pick holes in it. And, and, that, and rightfully so, you could pick holes in any um, um, violence reduction initiative. But why not bring these things to the table so that they could be discussed with our union, with our um, uh, uh, command staff, and put together a program that can actually work? I'm just saying that's thinking out of the box. The homicide clearance rate is still dismally low. And that is one of the things that really drives the violence as well, because if there's no justice, then there's street justice. And you can't get people to cooperate with the police if they're afraid and they feel like they're going to be vulnerable. Some people have, have called for a witness protection program, but if you don't solve a murder, it triggers another 
and another and another, and the cycle just continues. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Fran. Um, you know, and it depends on who you ask. If you if you ask our former chief of detectives, uh, homicide rates are at about at sixty to seventy percent. If you ask the media, our homicide clearance rate um, is at seven to fifteen to seventeen percent. Um, it depends on who you're asking, what day. Um, I I like to which say is that it? it's um, which is real. <laughs> You know what? It's uh, it's hard for me to determine with real. Uh, and when I challenged our, our former chief of detectives, um, I didn't believe the numbers. Uh, I don't believe the numbers as, as reported by our police department because I don't I don't you know, you have to show me and then I'll believe it. You know, if you show me a candy bar that's going to make me skinny and I bite it and it makes me skinny, I'm going to keep eating that candy bar. But I can tell you that. Uh, the numbers that I've received from uh, of Chief Melissa Staples, I believe her name was Melissa Staples at the time, uh, I just didn't believe those figures, and I challenged her on those figures. Um, so I think we have a low homicide clearance rate, and I think it spurs um, and encourages those that are willing to pull the trigger to pull the trigger. Now, what do we do? So what do we do? You know, what do we do about it? Well, we, we challenge our detectives to, to, to solve cases, but we provide incentive to our residents to participate. You know, I, I spoke to a gentleman this morning that called me out of the blue and said, hey, I have a great idea uh, to help help the community to help solve crime or to encourage the community to help solve crime. And it's something that I'm going to look into further. But I, I think we need that kind of participation from our public. Our public's afraid. They're afraid that if I, could, I, I call the police, the police are going to show up on my door and want to talk. This happened the other night as one of my residents called the police. And the dispatcher complained that we, we're just we're just privatized. And I didn't even know that. But the dispatcher said we privatized and sent the police to her house in the middle of uh, uh, folks gathering in front of her house. And so the, the folks knew right away. They knew right away who called the police. And so when you do that and when you do that to the residents and then expect them to call about a murder or call about a shooting, they're not going to do it because they don't trust that their identity won't be revealed by a police officer knocking on their door saying, hey, that lady over there called on you guys. Get off the corner. That's what, so they what do. are you suggesting? What are you suggesting? I, I suggest we give the confidence to our residents that that if you call us anonymously, that we will not put your residence over the air because we all have scanners. Um that we won't put your, your, your address or your residence or your, I'm sorry, your, your name over the air. And we provide an atmosphere that you can feel safe about calling the police. And that's what I'm going to discuss with our mayor about um, is this opportunity that this gentleman brought to my attention this morning. I think it's a, um, a great opportunity, a great example of trying to get the public involved. What, are you, what did he say? What was his specific uh, suggestion? Well, he, he um, discussed a, especially given the light that everyone texts, everyone texts, Um I don't know whether this is being done in another city, but um, um, his name is uh, Mr. Bill Stovall. Um, he suggested that why not create uh, the technology or an opportunity uh, for someone to text what they've seen, what they've heard, and what they know um, to whereby it comes in as a private, um, private text undetectable by, um, uh, or can be text anonymously. And it, I think it's a good suggestion if you could add some technology behind it. Um, it allows our public to be able to text um, 
um, to our, our police or to whomever um, a call center would be uh, information about a murder. And it could help, it could probably help to clear um, some of the issues that we have with trust in our police and, 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 and um, uh, discussing what they've seen or heard or know. Um, but it's an idea, and I think we have to keep moving forward with ideas. Um, that's, that's something that I've never heard now. of. Anonymous texting is not possible now? I don't know. And, and I, as he spoke to me this morning, I was on my way to a press conference, and I told him there's something I'm going to look into to see if that's already being employed, uh, deployed anywhere else. And if it is, I'm, I'm going to certainly try to bring it to Chicago. But if it's not, you know, I would, I would definitely speak to our superintendent and our mayor about the possibility of it. There was a federal takedown uh, today, a leader of the Gangster Disciples, after a two-year investigation. The federal agents who have come into Chicago, 150 of them uh, recently, are making their presence known. Is that going to help? I think it will. Um, you know, thanks to the press, and I believe the Sun-Times was one of them that reported uh, this past week that five um, uh, five folks were arrested by our federal agencies um, and, and are now sitting in a, um, a federal um, a detention center awaiting uh, whatever procedure they have to go through with it, through the justice system. Uh, that's going to spark some fear in some of our criminals. Uh, they don't want to sit in a federal prison. Why? Because they're not likely to be let out as easily as they would in a state system. Um, they're going to have to serve a certain amount of time um, in a federal prison. And so I'm hoping that uh, that we can welcome our federal agencies with open arms and that um, they can help us. In, in, um, and I'm not saying politicize the, uh, what's going on, uh, because that's what our president has done to some degree in other cities. Uh, but if they can truly come in here and work side by side with our Chicago Police Department, I, I welcome it. And they have been. Um, our police department has worked with the FBI, the DEA, the ATF for many years many years um, in task force and on missions. And so um, it's just a continuation and an expansion of that. Before we let you go, Mayor Lightfoot had a press conference where she condemned the police officers who responded at Bobby Rush's office the night of the rioting and uh, drank coffee and ate popcorn and put their feet up. The union denied that that was the case and said they were there to protect the office. What have you heard about that investigation? Why have we not heard anything? Well, I, I think we've not heard anything because it's still being investigated. Um, look, and I think our, I, I support our mayor 110 percent. Um, you know, when you are tired and you do tired as a police officer, uh, you still have to respect the property of someone that you're at. That's like um, going to someone's house. Um, and, and looking through their refrigerator and finding something that you enjoy and eating it. Um, that's what happened. The mayor challenged the, the, um, uh, the FOP president to say, if you have that information, come forward with it, it because it would help the investigation. And I don't know whether at this point, uh, President Cantanzaro has offered any, any evidence or proof behind his statements that he made that they were ordered to be there and ordered to do that. So um, you're not going to hear much while this investigation is going on, but as it concludes, you'll probably hear the findings of, um, of the Internal Affairs Division or whichever agency um, is actually investigating. But I stand Which in support of the mandate. Was- do you think it, people will be fired from it, or do you think that she'll give them an apology and say, I was wrong, you were ordered there, and you were just protecting the office after all the rioting was over? 
No, I don't believe they'd be fired from a friend. Um, it, it, it's not a very egregious, um, uh, you know, infraction or, or misconduct. It's not egregious to a point that would uh, ruin a, a police officer's career. And I, I think we have to look also in the mitigating factors that uh, these officers were, in fact, tired. Uh, these officers worked a long shift and they had worked continuously for 12 hour shifts, spending very little time with their families. Oftentimes, probably being on the street hours without eating anything. Now, with that given said, um, it does not excuse the conduct of coming in and laying down and lounging and sleeping and eating, um, disrespecting um, Congressman Rush's office. Um, it does not excuse that. Uh, but I think, you know, there are mitigating factors around what was going on at the time that um, led those officers into the position that they are currently in. Um, but certainly, I don't believe it's enough to fire them. But uh, discipline should be swift, and discipline should be very serious as to not condone the conduct, um, but also uh, to discourage the conduct. What would be fair? Twenty-nine days, five days? No, How much? I, 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 you know what? All the way from um, a reprimand to a suspension of several days. It depends on because uh, some folks That's just all. walked in and That's walked all. out and. Yeah. Um, but then those that are, those that stayed around lounging with the feet kicked up or, or asleep doing their tour of duty, um, that warrants a suspension of several days. Um, yeah. There but was, that's you all. know, in the video, You're not that, saying yeah. anything more than that. Right, but Nothing. I don't think that anyone should be fired. Okay, and what about the cops who uh, who gave uh, Eddie Johnson a pass and, and followed him home? I'm, I'm actually anxiously waiting for that investigation um, to be concluded as well before I make a comment, because uh, to be honest with you, I don't know whether they did, in fact, uh, give him a pass. Um, the only thing that I've, I do know is what the um, uh, Inspector General Joe Henderson uh, released. Well, he, he didn't um, have a sobriety test. We know that. And they followed him home. Right. They wouldn't have done that for anybody else. And they didn't ticket him for all the traffic violations yet. So what kind of a defense is that? Is that a couple of days suspension, too? I, it would be hard for me to give an assessment of that because I, I don't know what, in fact, the entirety of what he did. Um, but let's say for the sake of, you know, uh, I'd have for the sake of allegations itself. Um, and if those allegations were, were um, concluded to be sustained or true, uh, and that's the allegation of failing to do a sobriety test, um, failing to treat him for the uh, violation that they believe um, that he had committed, then yes, I, I think they should uh, receive a, a suspension. Um, however, not be fired. Um, a couple of days. Um, it depends on the, the, the disciplinary history, and and that's true about the police department. Um, you can't just look at an officer's conduct without weighing um, his record, and that's his complimentary record as well as his disciplinary record. And the Chicago Police Department has a progressive disciplinary uh, process. In other words, if I've given you a, a one-day suspension and then two-day suspension and then a five-day suspension, um, why would I drop back down if you continue making infractions to giving you a one-day suspension? So I think each particular case has to, has to uh, stand on its own based on the infraction. Uh, we do have officers that you know have made a mistake but has have a stellar career um, and, and received the discipline um, and you have to weigh those, you know, that career of the officers, his complimentary as well as his disciplinary record before, um, um, meting out a specific, um, 
uh, dis- discipline against that officer. So minimum three days, but yeah. also based on, uh, and that's only saying that the allegations that's presented are hundred percent true. Right. But minimum three days, if he and and um, without you know at maximum, uh, would probably be five days suspension. Alderman Chris Taliaferro, thank you so very much for joining us. I hope twenty twenty gets a little better. It hasn't been great so far. Fran, it will. <laughs> I it hope will. So. And, um, thank you, Fran. And we'll see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>